We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty fantasy football. My name is Travis May, and I'm the Debbie coordinator at Rotoviz, and I'm joined by Curtis Patrick, the Dynasty coordinator at Rotoviz. And like I said on uh, our last episode, we'd been covering wide receivers for a while, and it's uh, you know it's still running backs' turn. Uh, we'll get back to some other positions and mix it up, and uh, as we approach the NFL season, but it's still time to talk about some running backs. We talked about some you know, future faces at the position uh, that will be on NFL rosters very soon on our previous episode. But just like we did with the wide receivers, we're going to be talking about some rising running backs that you can target in your drafts that should see or could see an uptick in value as we head into this season early on in the year or even just uh, it's at some point when when we look back on this year and realize, oh, wow, they had a better season than I, than I thought. These are guys that are probably outside the the top 100 and and after average draft position, but they're guys that could be game changers for your dynasty rosters. But first, Curtis, what's up, man? You doing all right? Got a confession to make, man. I uh, I I did something bad. Oh no! I I joined another dynasty startup. Oh no! I I, uh, <laughs> I thought I thought I was done. I thought I was done for the summer, but. I mean, honestly, I just had so much fun um, with that last FFPC startup that I did in late May, early June. I just figured I'd cram one more in before the season. So I'm actually really excited about nice. the players we're talking about today. <laughs> uh, this this list should come in handy. I'm sure I'll, sure I'll end up with at least one of these guys uh, in the double digit rounds. What's of the, that draft? But <laughs> what's the format like? That how did they entice you? It, no, I mean, honestly, it was just uh, it, it was just a good experience. Last time, all all twelve 
members, even though none of us um, previously knew each other, uh, they set up a group me chat right away uh, with everyone's contact uh, information from the FFPC app. And nice. all 12 guys joined. And so it was really easy to – I mean, there were tons of trades during the startup, which I think people talk about startup trades a lot. But sometimes when you're not playing with people that you don't know, um, it's it, that's more of something that sounds really great, but then it doesn't actually happen. Um, so it, for me, you know, I love to move up and down the board. Uh, and, I, and I can look at value either way, moving up or moving down. So that was really fun. And uh, this this other draft just started today. And there were already three trades uh, in the first round. The first round just finished. So um looks like it's going to be another good group of guys. And uh, awesome. yeah, I, I just think I, I just think the ease of the format and and the startup experience is what drew me back in. So um, I, I will update the listeners. Uh, I think probably <laughs> the, over the next two episodes or so that draft will be going on. So very nice. Well, speaking of FFPC, I think uh, we've, we've got a word to say about those guys. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I've been having a, a good experience there. You know, we're not just reading the ad um, to go through the motions. I mean, it, it's it's where I, I'm really enjoying playing this year. And uh, they, they've got you know leagues at, at a bunch of different levels, starting at 77 bucks all the way up to five grand. Um, been doing some of these 250 dollar buy in leagues, and um, I, I think you get that's enough too that you've got just a little bit in the game, and I think people take it more seriously. You're not really experimenting with your your builds, you're really committed, uh, not trading all your future picks and, and punting the startup and doing crazy things like that that might happen in like a you know a $20 league, those types of things. So it's a great experience. They actually, the commissioner's active during the draft if there's any issues, people getting bumped offline or uh, erroneous picks, those types of things. You've got somebody right there offering that service to keep things moving. They've got redraft formats too. The main event is coming up if you buy a spot in the main event by July 22nd, you actually get to find out your main event draft slot on July 29th. They do a drawing. So you get like a month, up to a month, depending on when that uh, draft date is, to know your draft position and start doing that research. That is huge. And uh, something like the FFPC main event where $500,000 is on the line. Uh, for the grand prize. So check out that contest, all their dynasty leagues or best ball drafts, myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. It's the home of season long high stakes and dynasty fantasy football. And just a reminder, all new subscribers to our dynasty command center Slack chat, get a $35 league credit. That's applicable to any dynasty league fee, $77 or higher. Nice. Always a good value and a great place to play. But without further ado, I just want to dive into these running backs that are going to help our rosters and uh, your uh, future startup (laughs) roster. Uh, It'd be funny. I I will be interested to see how many of these guys you actually get because I think based on how the average draft position looks right now, you can get probably a few of these guys if you uh, play your cards right. But Let's let's jump in because everyone loves to hate on Lamar Miller. Let's I don't, but I, I feel like most people love to hate on Lamar Miller. So if if uh, listeners, if you like to do that, uh, then I'm sure you'd love to hear about uh, one Deontay Foreman uh, for the Houston Texans. But a huge question surrounding him is is he going to be the same after the Achilles injury? Now I, I mean I've seen a bunch of videos. I don't know if you have Curtis on of him doing some cuts and doing some footwork stuff, right? And, you know, he looks like he's, you know, in, in good shape. 
But I think there's more questions surrounding him than than uh, the Twitter videos might lead us to believe. But I, he could also at the same time be a rising running back who could see a major uptick in value uh, this offseason. Right now, his average draft position is uh, 118.8, and I believe we were looking at the last 60 days of uh, ADP data for FFPC. Is that right? Yeah, just using the uh, Rotoviz Dynasty ADP tools and uh, and querying that. So, yeah, he's going just inside, what is that, the end of the 10th round at 118.8. So, um, might be a little bit higher than I'm willing to take. Foreman, you've got some good stats that you pulled in here. I mean, I think yeah. the last time he played, he had seven carries for negative one yard. Yeah, I mean, a really and, solid uh, game. He solid. did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, con- you know, I'm sure there's some context for that, but he did. He did have a nice game um, when he had a little bit of uh, extra work back in 2017. His rookie campaign, ten carries for 65 yards and a pair of touchdowns. However, you got to note in here that you know mm-hmm. over half of those rushing yards came on a single play. Yeah, I mean, he had um, so thirty-nine yards. I, I can so. spin that either way, though. It's it's nice nice that our boys break in a thirty-nine yard touchdown run. Not everyone can do that, so I, I think you got to you got to take the good with the bad there. I mean, the bottom line with Foreman is we haven't seen enough to draw any conclusions, but um, just to take people back to where we were on Foreman, highly, highly, highly productive college player, uh, dominator in the eighty-fourth percentile, almost thirty-seven percent college dominator score. Uh, his his best collegiate profile comp, and this is actually a pull from playerprofiler.com, um, uh, a great resource for those of you that, that like, you know, I, I really like the way their um, their player graphic cards show up. They've just kind of got a lot of information in one little tight, uh, tidy package there. But Jonathan Stewart, uh, the, the closest comp there, and, and Jonathan Stewart, absolute madman. His career was a little um, weird because of the the presence of D'Angelo Williams, um, and they they both had to share that backfield during their primes. But um, Jonathan Stewart, uh, that's a, that's a great comp um, for a back like Foreman and somebody that you know. If Jonathan put Jonathan Stewart in this Houston Texans offense with Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and um, uh, the efficiency of that offense and the scoring potential, I really like that. So. Um, there's a lot of projection that's involved here, but this is a really great offense to be part of. And Lamar Miller's been steady, um, obviously unspectacular. So I, I think everyone's just eager to see what another guy could do um, with those touches. Yeah, and, and it's just we're always reaching for the next thing. And if Foreman is that next thing, if he, he actually comes out and plays better than the unspectacular uh, but consistent Lamar Miller, uh, he could be somebody who easily gets vaulted pretty high into uh, average draft position and, and just overall dynasty value discussion. Because, I mean, it, it doesn't really take that much anymore to kind of hang around the top 100 in average draft position. I mean, you can have a pretty bad season. I mean, Ronald Jones has, has proven this. You can have a pretty bad season and still hang up pretty high in the average draft position conversation. So for him to propel two, three, four rounds higher if indeed he takes that backfield in an offense that has Deshaun Watson at the helm and a bunch of solid receiving options to, to kind of take the attention away and maybe give him some healthy boxes to look at. And, and honestly, that's the, that might have helped Lamar Miller be as steady as he has, just uh, having some t- other talent to uh, pull some uh, attention away from uh, him being the feature back. And But, I mean, Lamar Miller has been a, a steady, good option and really one of the better running backs in the league for a long time. So don't want to disrespect him. But, 
the end is is nearer than uh, the beginning for him, for sure. Yeah, and, and if you look at, uh, I'm I'm just looking at some visuals charted out on the road of his tools right now. If we were rewind back to like mid May, their ADPs were almost identical. They were both right around a hundred, um, and so Foreman's actually dipped a little bit, um, and Miller's been pretty static. So. Um, about two rounds separating them right now. It, and it basically comes down to what type of builder are you going to be? I mean, if, if you're, if, if you're building, if you're building a win now team, um, with older wide receivers in a startup and you wanted to pull the trigger on Lamar Miller as like your flex or your RB two, because you waited a little bit and you're hoping for the 200 carries one more final year. I, I mean, I guess I could get behind it, but there's just nothing that excites me about earning him. I think he's a player that, you know, even in redraft, you know, you're, if you own him, you're going to plug him into your lineup. But does just nobody wants him? It's like it's like uh, the root beer flavored dum dum sucker. Like for me, I never want it. You know what I'm talking about, man? The little dum dum suckers. Uh, are you that young that you don't know what these are? Am I aging myself? I do. I do. You, know, the you little, go to the bank the, as a little kid. Root and beer, you get like a free. Root sucker. beer is the worst. Fu- okay, maybe no. you like it. I think I just no, offended Travis. Not, we not. just found out that root beer dum dum sucker it's is not, his it's thing. Not my favorite root beer dum dum sucker. It's just there. Yeah. It's in the bowl. <laughs> it's it's a it's a treat that you could have, but it's always going to be the last one in the bowl. Nobody wants that. Actually, the pineapple ones are pretty bad too. Maybe he's more of a pineapple <laughs> dum dum, but. Um, Lamar Miller, it's just, you know, he, you'll, you'll have him cause he's there. Yeah. That's what he is. But Deontay Foreman, he's like the dumb, dumb sucker with the question mark on it. And you don't know what flavor <laughs> it is until you actually try it. And so, um, you know, he, he could end up being a cherry and, uh, he, you know, he could be a, a fifth or sixth round startup guy this time next oh, year. Man. Uh, if he gets the right opportunity, but did you have this yeah, prepared? Come yeah. on. I, I mean, we went Come down that. We no, no. I really, I really didn't. I don't know. Uh, I was just trying to think on the fly of you know what's something really, you know, that's supposed to be good, but that's actually terrible, uh, and that people don't want. And so, like, I so if we want, you know, if the zombie apocalypse happened tomorrow, you know, someone's going to go into a warehouse somewhere, and there's going to be like garbage bins full of root beer dum dum <laughs> yeah. suckers, and like that's. That's what the human race will survive on, um, in in the in our our bleak future, because it's going to be well, what's around. Um, it's good to know. And Lamar Miller will be there too. He will, along with yeah, Frank Lamar Gore. Miller will be there too. Frank, <laughs> Frank Gore will definitely be there. <laughs> yeah, just because I mean, I, I would ra- I would rather own at this point just for the fun of it. Uh, might rather own Frank Gore in round like twenty nine of a dynasty startup than wow. Lamar Miller in round okay. nine. Okay. Um, so any, any, anyway, uh, yeah, j- just as a spirit animal for the, for the team, but let, let's see who else we got. So we got Deontay Foreman, plenty to be excited about, uh, in that offense, but let, let's transition to, um, a very different type of player, a different size of player, a, a different type of athlete, even, um, really one of the best athletes, uh, in the combine at the running back position this year, if not the best uh, athlete at the combine who you got for us Travis. Yeah, so justice hill uh, did really well at, at, like you said at the nfl combine this year he uh i mean he had uh, just uh, across the board i mean he was he was 
pretty high percentage tester. I mean, obviously he's not uh, the heaviest running back. He's under he was under 200 pounds. So you you we like to see our our feature backs or fantasy backs be a little thicker than he was at the combine. But if you've forgotten, I mean, he tested out at like the 94th percentile in the 40 with like a 40 inch vert. I mean, he even even in the like the bench press, he, he's a, he's a gym rat. Like if if there was a squat at the combine, he would have owned everybody at that. He was like squatting six hundred pounds in college. His burst score is incredible, and his speed is like a four four something like in that range. So he's a plus athlete that I think is in a pretty prime opportunity. I mean, if you look at how many times the the Ravens rushed last year, I mean, a lot of that had to do with Lamar Jackson, but him being a distraction or an option. Uh, to kind of take away <laughs> the an, a, an extra defender from uh, defenses, that's that's going to be incredible uh, for whoever the running back is uh, that really takes the reins this year. A lot of people want that to be Mark Ingram, but it's not necessarily just going to be the Mark Ingram show. And you had a pretty interesting thread on Twitter that you kind of talked about uh, Roman uh, and how he uses uh, his running back twos. Yeah, so Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator in Baltimore this year. He actually took over toward the end of uh, the 2018 season. But, man, if if you look at what he's done as a play caller in his six seasons where he's been at the helm of the offense and he's been directing the offense, uh, top three in team rushing attempts in four of those six seasons, top ten in team rushing attempts in all six of those seasons, his offenses were top four in rushing yards in five of the six seasons and top eight in all six and top six in rushing touchdowns in four of the six seasons. A Greg Roman-led offense has never finished higher than 29th in the league in passing attempts. <laughs> so, I mean, we have a very clear picture. You know, it, it would be different if, you know, w- what would Greg Roman do if he had Patrick Mahomes yeah. and a guy that could really sling it? Well, that's not what he has. He has Lamar Jackson. We know – I mean – what he's done in the past, he's had Tyrod Taylor. He's had Colin Kaepernick. He's had Alex Smith even. Um, he's had guys that, um, you know, were either sneaky with the run like Alex Smith or or legitimately just running quarterbacks like Kaepernick and Taylor. And that's what we've got in Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, that's what that offense is going to be. And, I, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people point to Hill as a trendy 2019 fantasy pick. And, you know, I just want to caution people – for what would really happen in, in year one. I think he's a perfect zero RB pick. Um, but let, let's be clear. I mean, the running back one is is the guy to own, especially with Jackson probably taking 80 to 100 carries off of the table for one of the backs. And, and Mark Ingram really probably going to smash this year, assuming that he has health. Roman's team running back two actually only averages 80 to 100 carries over his past four seasons as a play caller. Uh, in two of those seasons, um, it was actually a rookie as running back too. So we've we've got some seasons that are similar to what we're going to see for Hill in 2019, the running backs in those um, seasons being uh, Carlos Hyde and, and Jonathan Williams. Um, so, you know, I, I think Hill is a player that's going to have a chance to make some splash plays. He's going to touch the ball probably only maybe six to eight times a game uh, if we're lucky, including uh, receiving work. And, and it's only going to take one of those long touchdowns for his ADP to, to skyrocket because people are going to want to see, you know, the end, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel of, of Mark Ingram's career. Uh, but if they're going to go run heavy and give Lamar Jackson a legitimate shot for a season or two, you know, it, it might take a few seasons for Hill to really get 
the meat on the bone here. I, I think we have to look to Buck Allen and those 43 vacated targets as as the, the juicy piece of what Justice Hill could take. Uh, because we've also got another uh, another runner there in Gus Edwards who was highly effective when he got a shot last year. So um, maybe not that immediate spike we want out of Justice Hill. But, man, as you said, what an impressive athlete. And, you know, I, I will be salivating uh, when he gets that first game as a spot starter for Mark Ingram. When, when it happens, it's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. And really, and Justice Hill can catch the ball. I mean, it was, I think it was a sophomore season. He actually had over 30 receptions for Oklahoma State. So he's a guy that yep. can plug into that role uh, immediately and uh, be kind of the I, – I would love it to, to end up being something like this. I don't think he's Alvin Kamara, but – I mean, being that Alvin Kamara to Mark Ingram and, and kind of that thunder and lightning type situation, I really hope that that comes to fruition because I don't really think – I mean, Gus Edwards is okay, but I, I don't think he's he's really in the plans for the future for the franchise. And so uh, I would love to see them just commit to that uh, that two running back look and really give both the running backs an opportunity and both healthy carry shares. I'd love to if, – if Justin Sill like hypothetically gets to just 110 carries, 120 carries – on the season. Uh, I feel like his value is going to be through the roof compared to what it is right now. Cause a lot of people just see his draft capital. They, they think, Oh, fourth round running back. Uh, he can't really be anything. And he's a, he's a plus fourth round running back. I mean, no, normally guys like him aren't falling uh, w- with production profiles and athletic profiles like him. They do not fall uh, that far. Uh, but you know, going one twenty six point three right now, I love that value. Definitely think justice Hill it's going to be a steal for a lot of people, even even in redraft, perhaps, because he's probably even going further down uh, the list. But another guy that's really close to that range is a guy that I really liked uh, coming out of college, and that's Ido Smith for the Falcons. And obviously, uh, Devontae Freeman, uh, hopefully he's healthy uh, for his sake this year. Uh, but obviously, also, Tevin Coleman is gone. He's on the 49ers. So the opportunity looks to be there for Ido Smith without even there being an injury uh, early on. Uh, and if there is some kind of injury, uh, if there's another yet another concussion to Devontae Freeman, who, I mean, he's got to be close. I mean, he's had a few now, uh, and a couple that were close together. So, I mean, if, if he has any type of holdup, I feel like Ido Smith could be in line for a significant, significant role. Uh, but what are your thoughts on, on Ido Smith? Just, I mean, I don't think we're, we've really even talked about your thoughts as, as a prospect when he came out. Were you a fan? I, I mean, really, um, I, I didn't end up with any shares of him because he ended up in a backfield, you know, behind Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman at the time. And so, I, you know, I knew it was going to be a situation that required a lot of patience and maybe there were guys that would have an opportunity to break out uh, more quickly. And so th- that's not the type of back that I- I'm typically going to target unless they're like a next level, um, you know, 80th percentile across the board, uh, production athlete, you know, e- every, every checkbox, yeah. they've really got to um, check them off. Otherwise I'm just going to, I'm just going to direct my attention elsewhere. So for me with Ito Smith now, I am coming around on him because Tevin Smith's gone or Tevin Coleman, excuse me, he's gone. And Devontae Freeman, you know, the, the injury problems, I mean, they're mount- he's only played 16 of his last 32 games. Not, not a good look. Not a good look. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, over the last two seasons, he's only played one season. 
Um, and it wasn't just one thing that took him out for the whole the whole time. That you know these were these were multiple events, and so it's it's pretty easy for us to see um, what might Ito Smith's role look like uh, if if we just pencil him in for the Tevin Coleman work. We can see what Coleman did uh, with Devonta Freeman over those two seasons and without him. And and there was one game actually where Tevin Coleman didn't play uh, and Devonta Freeman was out. So we've got a thirty one game sample, not a thirty two game sample, but. Uh, in the split, of course, I'm using the Rotoviz Game Splits app for this. One of the best uh, and most user-friendly apps in the fantasy football industry. Love this thing. 9.99 PPR per game in the 15 games in the last two seasons where Tevin Coleman and, and Devontae Freeman played together. So Tevin Coleman was a 10-point-per-week player. He's a flex player uh, who basically could be a nice RB2 if he scored a touchdown, right? Yeah. Well, out of split, 13.2 PPR. Now, he didn't explode like everyone wanted him to, uh, you know, but he's a back end running back two without Devonta Freeman in the picture. And, um, you know, I, I think we have to look at Ido Smith and, and wonder, you know, will he actually have standalone value? I don't feel like a lot of people are talking about that. I do, you know, I do hear people. Um, talking about him as a zero RB candidate, what will happen if Freeman goes down? But standalone value for Ito Smith is is a, that's that's a reality. I mean, I'd be shocked if he wasn't putting up eight or nine PPR per game. I think that you know the team paid Freeman big money. They got to try to preserve that investment for the next year or two. Um, they did take Kadri Allison, who you know he doesn't profile like either of these guys. You know, big banger uh, might have been the biggest running back in the draft. Uh, and if he wasn't, he was very close you to liked it. You him, by the way. Very close to it. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, th- I think, yeah, he, he's a – like, if you play in a touchdown-only league, Allison is like a nice – he's a nice dart throw in a, in a dynasty startup or something like that. The, the Atlanta Falcons are going to score a lot of touchdowns. Um, but I think we're, when you look to Allison, it would be maybe, you know, next season. If Freeman were to unfortunately – suffer you know a career ender or something like that this year um you know i i do think that ito smith and kadri allison would be complementary backs uh maybe more so even than freeman and ito smith who have a little bit more skill over skill set overlap but uh with ito for me i would be drafting him thinking not only am i excited about what would happen if he got a, a larger role i'd be excited about him as a bi-week fill-in um, or a hedge on another player that I took a little earlier. If if I had to get through a tough month of the season, I feel like I could still compete with what Ido Smith's going to have coming his way uh, in that backfield in 2019. Yeah, and obviously last year, even when he was given some work, he wasn't the most efficient running back. I mean, he didn't have the yards per touch that you want to see, you know, a super efficient uh, change of pace guy to have. Uh, at all but I mean when you look at how he profiled he had a, a three straight seasons with at least 40 receptions coming out of, of college and I mean he really never was any type of lead option uh, for any extended amount of time last year but he still had 27 catches so I think there's there's plenty of evidence that points to that role in this offense is there for him and he has the skill set to match and he's got a nice PPR floor regardless but I think his upside just because of the receptions and being really a, a more talented receiver most likely than Te- Tevin Coleman given their history of usage and given their their college profiles and just where they've come to now I think that uh, I think he could be more than even a back-end running back to uh, if given the opportunity if for some reason Freeman does miss time so 
that again is one of my favorite plays this year to uh, go after Ito. Except I have a lot of him on my rosters because he was one of my my favorite later round guys to nab anyway. So check out Ito. I mean, he's going around one thirty. That's pretty cheap considering how expensive. Tevin Coleman was uh, just a year or two ago in the exact same role, pretty much. But moving on to yeah, I, I've got I got one yeah, more go for it. I got one more stat for you on Ito Smith. He he caught a ball in in fifteen consecutive games. Start or excuse me, sorry, he caught a ball uh, in thirteen consecutive games. He did not play in in, uh, in two games last year, but a- after the the. After week one, September yeah. 6th, their first game against Philadelphia, he didn't record a touch. His next 13 games, he recorded at least one reception. Um, and, you know, I, for man, for like opening the season as a third <laughs> option um, without having big draft pedigree, this was a guy that he was involved in the offense regardless of what happened with Devonta Freeman. The team saw something here with him. So um, really just does drive it home. I mean, even, even from – Week two of the season, um, they, they were getting him involved. So uh, not hard to see what they might do in, in 2019. The, the next guy we're going to talk about up in, uh, in Berea, Ohio. Um, it's, there's been a, a state of unrest, Travis, with Duke Johnson. Um, he's, he's fired his agent. He's, he's moved on to, to Drew Rosenhaus to try to force a trade. Man, I'm a, I, I forget how excited I was about Duke Johnson a couple years ago. I mean, uh, he was he was a legitimate RB2, and it was all on the receiving work, and we we were basically asking, like, what would happen if he got more rushing work? Like, he could be a top 12 running back candidate. Um, this, is a re- this is a really talented player who's been buried uh, by this new regime, bringing in Nick Chubb and now signing Kareem Hunt. But he's going in dynasty startups outside the top 150. And I'm thinking, like, in the blink of an eye, like, you know, we're, it's going to happen. I mean, Adam Schefter is going to send a tweet, <laughs> and d- there's going to be Duke Johnson and and one of the other 31 teams' names next to it. You know, he's he's moving to whatever city now, and his ADP is going to jump, like, 60 spots, <laughs> like, overnight. <laughs> before people – yeah, before people even digest what the new offense is. I mean, let alone if you were actually to land up in one of the flush spots like Tampa Bay or something like that, where everyone just the dream spot um, where he could really break out. But I, you know, I I think one and redraft one fifty three. I think you can argue you know against it maybe without having the benefit of of knowing what he'll be doing in Cleveland, especially after week eight. He's he's a pretty risky investment, albeit one with upside. But in dynasty. You know, he's still – this is just going to be his age 25 season. Like, he's still a pretty young guy. The receiving backs can stick around. I mean, let, s- sell me a little more on Duke Johnson because, I mean, I, I want to really get excited about him again. He was he was one of my favorites for several years. Well, I mean, he's coming off of his quote-unquote down year because uh, he wasn't really given any rushing touches uh, to speak of this year. But his down year still gave him 47 receptions. Like, that's his worst year. Uh, as a receiver, as a receiving running back. I mean, he's got 61 receptions, 53 receptions, 74 receptions. And now in his down year and in, in, in where he's, you know, he's potentially going to be traded, he's got 47 catches. So wherever he goes, he's automatically going to be that guy, that go-to option that can basically be your slot receiver, that can be, basically be your outlet and kind of kick it outside. And, and I think he, 
I, I don't know why. I, I think we, as a, as a fantasy community, were just absolutely blown away by the fact that he was just never really given the opportunity to be a runner. I mean, I, as in his first year, he had over 100 carries, and then that was it. It was just like that was that was his one shot to, to get any type of workload in, and then they were done with him. And yet in college, in his final season, he had almost 250 carries and uh, like seven yards per carry. Like he, he, he can take a workload, even though he has a uh, smaller back at, you know, maybe 210 pounds, uh, 5'9". But that's that's not small at all, really. So uh, obviously he wasn't he hasn't always been super efficient when given high volume in the pros. Uh, but I, I don't see what is not to like when it comes to Duke Johnson, because I think really any any advantage that you get in the NFL from your receiving well, from your running backs is in the receiving game. So uh, I hope he goes to Tampa. I hope he goes to somewhere where he can just take over and finally get the opportunity he's long since deserved. Yeah, I mean, 210. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's still doing curls trying to get to 210. <laughs> I mean, 210's big enough to be a feature back. Exactly. And uh, Duke, Duke Johnson, last two seasons, last two seasons, again, let's consult the Rotoviz Game Splits app. Nine times... He had at least five rushing attempts in a game. 13.46 PPR in those games. That's a 215-point pace for a season. Yeah, I mean, there, there's your running back two oh, here. Easy. I didn't set the, I didn't set it to 10 carries. I didn't set it to 15 carries. I set it to five carries. Give this guy five carries a game and his, and his five to six targets a game. And, I mean, I, I, he's, he's a legitimate weapon, not just for a football team, but for your fantasy squad. So – um, definitely a, a guy to target in trades, a guy to target in startups. Um, and, and Travis, you, you've got a note here. I think you pulled some of his contract uh, information, yeah. thought maybe he would have an easy contract to move because of, of how things look think, after 2019. I think easily. I mean, you look at – I mean, any team that, that's looking at his contract knows if, if they kind of – I don't know how they want to structure it and, and negotiate to get out of – you know, pay, paying part of it. I, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that part of it. But really, after this year, I mean, he's he's only got a million and a half of dead cap in his entire deal. So if a team wants to take a look at Duke Johnson, there's really not much risk here. If they have much of any cap room this season, I mean, he's only got four million dead cap if they wanted to cut him this year. But obviously, that's probably not going to be the case. They want to give him some run. So just give him an opportunity Go make some hay, and 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 really, it's a no risk type move, uh, other than moving some minimal draft capital. Because anymore, players, teams don't get unless you're an absolute stud, you don't get a bunch of solid draft capital. So it's not going to take a huge investment from any uh, prospective uh, trade partner to uh, look into this and think uh, our running backs are kind of bad. We should probably take this elite receiving back and uh, give him a run. So I, I hope that he's given that opportunity. The Browns, obviously, they're still waiting on Kareem Hunt to come back from suspension, uh, and that's not going to be for a long time still. I mean, we got a lot of football to play before that's going to happen. So uh, they have Nick Chubb and, and a whole bunch of not much else uh, to, to really believe in besides Duke Johnson. So maybe Duke Johnson actually gets more run this year as a receiving back some. I hope he still gets some option if he's on the Browns to really maybe up his trade value and then get moved right before the deadline. 
that would be a really sexy move that would be uh, helpful to all of our rosters if you have Duke Johnson. But with an average draft position of 153 uh, right now, that's that's super, super cheap. That's like you know, 12th, 13th, 14th round in startups. That's, you know, that's a late second type uh, value. So go get yourself a Duke Johnson share. I've got to interrupt the broadcast, Travis. I, I just got a, a trade offer where I would receive Saquon Barkley. <laughs> right now. I, we, we've got, a, we've got, I, I, I don't own any Saquon Barkley shares in Dynasty. I don't own any. This is important. And so we've at least got to talk about this. <laughs> for, for This isn't an FFPC league. This is a startup I, I finished last month. I I would be giving Juju Smith-Schuster and Josh Jacobs, and I would be receiving Saquon Barkley and Curtis Samuel. I mean, <laughs> it. I, I don't know if I can accept that as is, but that's, that's, that's got me intrigued. I, I, I may have to counter there. I mean... Sa- Saquon, the, the overall 101 uh, in, a, in everyone's um, dynasty rankings. Um, and, and if he's not, you're you're just being contrarian and putting CMC there. Let's just be honest. <laughs> you're, you're just doing it to be contrarian. Saquon Barkley is is an RB1 on rushing alone, and, and he would be a wide receiver, too, on receiving alone. Um, he, this, this is an insane player. I, my mind is blown that I just got this offer, but I think this comes down to what do we think about Josh Jacobs? Because Juju Smith-Schuster, he is my dynasty wide receiver one. I made that change last month. I'm not going back. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So I, Juju. I, you know, I'm trading the dynasty wide receiver one. Yeah, I'm trading the, the wide receiver one for the RB one. Um, it, what's the delta between Barkley and, and Juju for you? Because you know that this comes down to is that golf big enough to justify a, a Jacobs for Samuel spot uh, swap on the back end of this deal. I mean, if I, my first reaction is I'm going to, I got to take off my shirt. I'm this is, <laughs> this is crazy. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm looking at spreadsheets <sighs> instead of the hangouts right now, but <laughs> <laughs> I see you creeping. I see you creeping. Oh my gosh. All right. But yeah, I, I don't, man, Saquon though, that, I, I mean, that's tough. Cause like that, the elite range of draft capital, they're both, Basically, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know what would have to happen this year for either one of them to fall out of like the first round consideration in pretty much any startup format. I So th- they're right there. They're close. But I think because, like you said, Saquon Barkley is that kind of top overall asset, uh, it's hard to turn that, turn that down, especially when we're looking at a guy like Josh Jacobs. When you and I, we've, we've talked about the the production profile questions that we have in Josh Jacobs. Yes, he's going to be given the opportunity. Yes, he's probably going to see some volume this year, but I'm not sure that either of us are sold on him as a long-term asset. And I think that there's some evidence to suggest that Curtis Samuel could be a decent wide receiver too for the Panthers as well. So there's a lot going on there. But I think the market might even partially lean to the Saquon side, just just in my first instinct, I, I J- Juju is my wide receiver one. He's like my favorite football player in the NFL. That makes it tougher, but that that's that's a that's definitely worth a counter. I, I didn't even tell you the best part, Travis. I didn't tell you the best part because I didn't think you could handle it when I dropped this this trade offer. And then actually, I didn't even realize it in, until we were just talking about it. Do you realize what pair of running backs I would be rolling out every week? 
if I accept this trade. Now, it would hurt to lose Josh Jacobs. I would be pairing Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara on the same team in the same lineup. That is dirty. Yeah. That is dirty. Yeah, that's uh, what well, we, we might have to come back to this at the end of the show. I've, I've <laughs> got to, I've got to give this some thought, but uh, you just can't ignore an incoming trade where no, that's a big Saquon's deal. Saquon's going to end up on your roster. So, but be- yeah, before we get to the uh, last two backs, uh, last three backs rather that we want to share with you today, want to drop a spot for Yahoo fantasy in their new best ball game. We are just a couple weeks away from it being added to the, one of the best fantasy football apps in terms of managing a league in the business, probably the best. It's the Yahoo Fantasy Football app. Uh, you'll be able to draft your best ball teams out of there, but you can already start drafting those best ball teams now um, at uh, sports.yahoo.com slash best ball. And with the best ball, of course, you draft your fantasy football team and that's it. You don't have to set the lineups. Uh, it's the draft and, it, and then it's over. The top scoring players at each position on your roster automatically count towards that weekly score you can draft up to 50 best ball teams on the yahoo platform this year you can play for free or you can play for cash most importantly you just got to get drafting either way with yahoo fantasy best ball join a league today at sports.yahoo.com slash best ball just a reminder because we just like to throw deals out there use code viz 25 with your deposit at yahoo fantasy and get 25 bucks for free nice nice always a good value and a good place to check out some fun fantasy but let's let's talk about a guy that that is just not one of those uh, super sexy names that everybody uh, wants to have on their dynasty team and in fact uh, if you as we were discovering when you uh, when you google this guy's name uh, one of the, the top hits on on google right now is is uh, thinking that he plays a different position than he does. <laughs> but Raquel Armstead, uh, Temple running back, now playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you look up his name, the, the actual SB Nation uh, Jaguars uh, blog, they, they call him a fifth-round tight end instead of running back. So uh, apparently he's not uh, that big of a deal. or he, A lot of people didn't really know who he was just a couple months ago. But uh, I think there's some, at least some narrative surrounding why we believe he could be a value, especially with an average draft position of 177.1 right now. So, Curtis, what, why are we telling people they should be drafting this fifth-round tight end? Well, it's, it's just the Jaguars situation. Uh, I should say Jaguars or um, Tom Kislingberry is going to yell at me. <laughs> I, I've got the Jaguars. Jaguars. I don't know yeah, why I say Jaguars. it that way. I just, I'm an Ohio boy. It's just how I was trained. But Leonard Fournette, I mean, he's been in in the doghouse with Tom Coughlin uh, and his red nose for the last couple seasons. And, um, you know, Leonard Fournette, he skipped uh, the beginning of OTAs. Uh, at least three days that I can I can tell. Um, I actually wasn't able to track down um, what happened uh, after that, or if he's been actually shown up in the building at all. Hmm. Um, not sure why he would make that decision after the year that he just had, but he hasn't been there. And other than Armstead, we're looking at a backfield that consists of um, journeyman Alfred Blue, who actually took most of the first team snaps in Fournette's absence, um, and like Thomas Rawls is down there. 
Um, so Armstead's got an opportunity. Unfortunately, he had a little bit of a hamstring uh, and, and missed the, the mini camp. But um, with Fournette not getting the touches either, I, I mean, I'm sure the team after getting Blue involved, even if it was just in shorts, they're going to be looking for anyone more exciting than that. Um, so if Fournette, if Fournette plays any games, you know, as we get into late July and the teams really start reporting, Armstead could have a little bit of a, a an opening um, to to produce. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, he's he's a good comp with Lamar Miller, a guy that we just railed on. Um, but, you know, hey, 5'11", five, five 220, um, just short of top quartile college dominator rating, um, but ran a sub 4'5". 40 at 220. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Uh, so weight adjusted speed score in the 94th percentile. So um, this is a guy you want to get out of his way. Uh, maybe Fournette, miniature Fournette, actually, uh, is is maybe why the team would have seen some overlap with uh, their styles and, and figured that they wouldn't need to change the offense if Fournette were to go down, which he almost certainly will go down. Uh, he's gone down like every season for the last four years going back to college. So, um you know, I, I'm not pounding the table for Armstead, but you don't really need to be at 177 and ADP. It's just a guy to to be thinking of um, as you're as you're building the end of your dynasty roster with guys who have a chance to appreciate and value. And, and if Armstead does get to start a week or two and post some points, he becomes an easy flip candidate. Um, or if if he looks solid enough, I mean, maybe maybe he can even force a timeshare. That's really the extent of, of why he's making an appearance in this pod. Yeah, and that's and it's all about the opportunity. And uh, Alfred Blue is, is I mean, we, we think Lamar Miller is, is uninspiring, uh, but Alfred Blue is, is beyond that. And, I, and he's getting first-team rep snaps right now because he's, he's been in the NFL for a bit. They, they want to respect the guy who's the, who's the veteran. But, uh, you know, the order, the pecking order of, of touches and – in June, I, I would take with a, a def, definitely a heavy grain of salt. I, I really can't wait for camp uh, to just start because I, I want to see where Armstead looks uh, and where he's taking reps in, in late July and early August and uh, the preseason action. I think uh, he actually could show out some. He's a guy that really, I mean, he never really blew up until his final year because he just wasn't ever given the reins at Temple to really just show off his off his stuff. But when he finally was given the, the sample size, he uh, had a good enough season where, you know, he's actually invited to the Senior Bowl and was able to kind of show off his stuff there. And so he was kind of a name that not many people even really talked about until he was actually drafted, <laughs> you know. I mean, like uh, some people liked his production profile on the road of his team. But beyond that, there was not much to say about him. So. Uh, he's a guy that could easily rise, and that's that's where we are with him. But one more interesting running back situation we want to look at that has two guys uh, that are worth talking about that have very different average draft positions. Uh, that's Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson on the Chargers. Obviously, the recent news about uh, Melvin Gordon perhaps uh, you know forcing some kind of contract uh, extension and adjustment there for him. Uh, that brings uh, into question what things would look like if he indeed were to miss time. So what's it look like when Melvin Gordon actually misses time for the Chargers? Yeah, um, Austin Eckler, a lot of people were disappointed with his production um, when Gordon wasn't available last year. 
um, in the three games that Eckler got uh, without Gordon. You know, he fell just shy of 13 PPR points. But his, his opportunity went through the roof. He just wasn't scoring – uh, just wasn't scoring the the receiving touchdowns um, like like he was when Gordon was around, and so you, you have to look through the numbers a little bit. Um, his his targets um, with Melvin Gordon out of the lineup went from three targets a game to almost seven targets a game, and he went from six rushing attempts a game to, to over thirteen rushing attempts a game. I mean, this is you know this is a role that is is twenty touches on the nose basically. Yeah. Um, per game with Melvin Gordon out of the lineup. And, you know, he paced for uh, over the course of the season. I, I, I don't know what that math works out to. It's a three three games. I think it was something like 277 touches. I just wrote a piece on this earlier this week. But 277 touches, I mean, that would have been RB8 in terms of uh, running back touches in 2018. I mean, so Eckler's role would have been huge. I think the touchdown variance would have worked itself out had that played out over a larger sample of games than just three. So if you're looking in arrears at, at what happened last year, don't overlook how Eckler was used in the offense just because he didn't score those touchdowns. But the other thing here is this is an insulated player because in the 11 games with Melvin Gordon, he averaged 12 PPR points. So, I mean, this this was, this was a player who... He was pacing for almost 200 PPR, even with Melvin Gordon in, as part of the offense. And, and I don't know that I fully appreciated that. Um, and and so this is this is a player over the last four to five weeks, as I've really started prepping hard for 2019 at this point, that I've had to change my, my lens on um, just a little bit. And, you know, Sean Siegel... Our, our fearless leader at Rotoviz uh, named Austin Eckler one of his top eight. He calls them breather backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are guys that kind of come in and, and they're high efficiency, low touch, high efficiency guys that can still rack up the fantasy points. And they make zero, uh, great zero RB targets. And so Austin Eckler is a player that certainly flex worthy, but not really being treated that way. I mean, he's going in the 11th round of startups and, and most leagues aren't starting 11 players, even in a super flex league. A lot of those leagues are starting 10. But So I, I think he's undervalued at 125. I do expect him to get a healthy bump. I mean, we pumped him hard at Rotoviz this week uh, with him showing up in, in articles by uh, Sean and I on the, on the front page inside the same week. And of course he's, you know, Eckler's been a name all over Twitter, but the guy that's really gotten more attention, I think, is Justin Jackson. And as you know here, his ADP is outside the top yeah. 200. And I think the question that we have to ask is, um, you, you know, now that we know Eckler's got value either way, I, I mean, I don't think it matters whether Gordon misses games. I think he's a guy that, you know, we can feel safe about either way. But if Melvin does miss games, what does that mean for for Jackson? And, and we've got some splits here. If you want to want to share, yeah. Whereas you know, I mean, Eckler was on pacing for basically over a thousand yards from scrimmage uh, on a sixteen game pace with Gordon in the lineup. Uh, you can't definitely you definitely can't say the same with with Justin Jackson. I mean, you, you basically is averaging five PPR points uh, per game with a healthy Gordon. That now that doubled. Uh, when Gordon was out, I mean, he, he jumped from 5.12 points per game to 10.15, and you know his 16 game pace jumped from you know about 500 to about 900 
yards from scrimmage on the year. Uh, obviously, we're just looking at four games with and four games without. Uh, smaller sample size with Justin Jackson, but uh, he's he's got a balanced skill set, and uh, I think uh, obviously we can't rely on him to have a, a role isolated, uh, you know, I guess built in like Eckler does. But it does look like he has a role if indeed Gordon misses time. So obviously the the eighty pick or so disparity in ADP kind of makes sense um, given the opportunity with and without Gordon. But I, I, I'm not really all in on, on Justin Jackson. But at uh, you know two hundred and five, I mean I, I don't even know what round that is. But that's a pretty easy value for somebody that can come in uh, if Eckler or Gordon miss time and be a 10-point-per-week type player. Uh, so he is another kind of guy that will be a late, late round zero RB type target. But um, and, and as much as I liked him coming into the NFL draft process and what he did at Northwestern, even as a receiver, I just don't think that there's much of a way that he's ever going to be the lead back uh, in that offense from a from a touch standpoint from even a receiving standpoint i think he's shown to be the third most efficient uh receiver and given the, the third most uh type of receiving volume regardless of circumstance so it's it's obviously i, I don't know why he's receiving as much attention he's not a bad back it's just it doesn't look like there's there's an obvious path for him to be uh highly relevant yeah, I just I just think that people are misremembering how it played out for Eckler last year. Like people think that, you know, people think that he he completely just flopped when when Melvin was out. Um, but the opportunity was there. He just didn't cross the stripe, and that's what it comes down to. And that's what people want. He didn't have the blow up week. He just gave yeah. you what you were already getting. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to spend just you know two more minutes on on Jackson because if Melvin does hold out. Or if the unthinkable happens and we get somebody trading for Melvin Gordon and and extending him, and he, and he leaves San Diego and they play the season with Eckler and Jackson, I mean that that is why we have to go through this exercise: is what would happen in a truly Gordonless offense? Well, Sean Siegel he he describes what the Rotoviz apps um, paint a picture of for Justin Jackson as. A Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, James Connor, Chimera. Okay, so you've got my attention with those with those uh, uh, three names, um, and he actually made a couple others too. But um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of go through this very quickly. Uh, athletically, um, Christian McCaffrey is is a strong comp. I mean, so Justin Jackson, sixty uh, sixth percentile forty yard dash, ninetieth percentile vert. 76th percentile broad and over 90th percentile on the shuttle and the three cone. I mean, this is a shifty dude. Philip Lindsay connection, backfield dominator rating in college. We, we talked about the fact that he was a four-year player and getting all the touches. Uh, and so, he, you know, he was a player that had the huge role, did not get the draft pedigree. Uh, that's the connection with Lindsay. The Aaron Jones connection is that he didn't slide all the way out of the draft like Lindsey. He wasn't an undrafted free agent. He did at least get the team uh, to pull the trigger on him at 251. Almost Mr. Irrelevant, yeah. In the draft. <laughs> and be- yeah, all, almost. Almost made it there. Uh, but because he did have that that draft position there, Aaron Jones actually comes up as uh, his closest comp in the box score scout. 
And then, you know, the, the James Conner connection is, is really um, just because this situation is very reminiscent of what happened with Le'Veon Bell last year. We started to hear the whispers. Is he going to hold out? I mean, Melvin Gordon's even referencing what, you know, Le'Veon Bell did last year. And, and, and even at the time that Bell held out, we have the video now that's circulating where Gordon said he'd do the same thing in the same situation. And it, and it was really like, you know, now it feels like we were looking into the crystal ball and didn't realize it. But James Conner was, was a player that did have the type of college experience um, where he demonstrated he could hold down the fort. And, you know, we, we did see that with Justin Jackson, clearly by what he did at, at Northwestern. So um, we just have to temper the expectations. I just don't want people to get out of control with Justin Jackson. I mean, he's this is a nice player. Um, I don't think he is going to be Philip Lindsay this year. Uh, the Philip Lindsay thing does not happen um, frequently. Um, few and far between uh, that we see those things happen. And, and I think the most likely the most likely thing that will happen is Gordon will play the whole season. If not the whole season, then much of the season. And Eckler will be the other back to own uh, there in the eleventh round. But certainly the Chargers another one of the more uh, compelling backfields to to look at from a production standpoint and then also just because of the drama yeah most definitely it's i mean it's a lot of fun to speculate and and uh, you get tied to these prospects especially when you're you're in you play dynasty and you're talking about uh you know thinking justin jackson deserves more draft capital you want to see these guys just be given a chance and it would be fun to see an Austin Eckler, uh, Justin Jackson tandem just because, I mean, Eckler himself has a pretty cool story coming from no man's land and just not getting respected at all throughout the, the draft process. Draft process, And then, of course, Justin Jackson being basically a lock for 1,200, 1,300 yards from scrimmage, four years straight on a bad offense, just carrying them and then barely getting drafted. And they're, they're just fun guys to root for. But obviously, great values in our opinion where they currently are being drafted. But again, thanks for joining us for another Dynasty Command Center podcast. You can find me on Twitter at FF Travis. F- can you do that? Sorry about that. <laughs> you know, to fix that. You can find. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can find him at FF underscore Travis oh, M. Guys, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick up Travis's scraps go. here, and you can follow me. <laughs> On Twitter at C Patrick NFL. I'm not going to steal your sign off line. I'm not going to edit that out. I'm going to make the people listen to you My messing that up. But you got to send us off. I yeah, can't steal whatever. this. Whatever. Yeah. Thank. Thank you for that. But uh, yeah, just thanks for putting up with my my uh, my garbage outro here, everybody. But <laughs> joining us on another DCC podcast. But until next time, keep living that dynasty life. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late. And that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash KeepStock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.